Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. And good morning to you here. You're tuned to BFM 99.9 here on the easternmost point of Australia. You're tuned now to Future Sense with myself, Nick Jeans, and my co-host, Steve McDonald, futurist. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm well, thank you. That's good. Um, We're going to be uh, talking about, as usual, a couple of major topics today and uh, starting off again with an update on the coronavirus. Yeah, it continues to um, create a lot of news and uh, have a a growing impact both from a health perspective and also from an economic perspective. So we'll just give an update on that. Yeah. And also we've become very interested in the concept of moral outrage. Uh, of which there is much, uh, both uh, in terms of in individual and uh, action, uh, people taking action against the, the many issues that we have on this planet at the moment, but also in social media, of course, and the whole notion, the whole notion of, uh, of moral outrage as opposed to anger, even a difference there. Um, interesting topic, I'm, I find. It is. What's it all recession. about? Why are people so upset and uh, why is there so much emotional uh, expression going on? And mm-hmm. as, as we say, moral outrage, it, uh, it seems to be growing, doesn't it? It does indeed. And, you know, it, it has an effect. Some, uh, some researchers said and claimed that uh, moral outrage itself is actually a part of the, the moral... Um, uh, evolution of humanity in fact that we need that sort of uh, compulsion to to move forward by actually complaining loudly about what we see as a transgression of our value systems yeah so we'll have a look at that we'll have a look at human evolution and how moral outrage might be related to the fact that we're shifting values at the moment mm-hmm. and we'll uh, we'll try not to complain too much <laughs> you're tuned to future sense with nick jeans and steve mcdonald engage emerge activate and spiral up. You are tuned to Future Sense here with Steve McDonald and myself, Nick Jeans, through till 11 o'clock this morning and tuning in all around the world. Thanks for listening. If you're listening live here in the Shire or nearby or possibly online on bayfm.org or a day or two after or sometime in the future here uh, listening to the uh, the podcast, which you can find on futuresense.org. IT or through your favourite podcast platform. And you can also text in, as you probably know, 04-373-41-9, and engage with us directly of what we are talking about. Um, the coronavirus has now been, uh, when people are talking about pandemic, it's not a pandemic yet because it hasn't reached the continent of South America, but it has reached pretty well all the other continents uh, in the world. And uh, as you may already know, South Korea, Iran and Italy are the latest countries which are in, uh, in some sort of lockdown mode with, uh, with cases increasing. In Italy, for example, a third person has been infected with the coronavirus, has, who has been infected, has died in Italy. A regional official said there's 130 cases in the north of the country. And, um, and clearly um, we are on a bit of an edge here with the coronavirus. 
Yeah, Italy seems to be more of a hotspot than most other countries around the world. Uh, it's still by and far the majority of people infected with the virus are within China. And China seems to have done a, a good job of mm. uh, containing it, along with other countries, of course, that have restricted travel to and from China or put people into mm. quarantine. We have 70,000 or so cases in China. That's a lot to contain, so they are doing a fairly good job, one could argue. Let's hope so. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm just looking at a, a very recent report from an hour ago posted on Al Jazeera mm. about the latest figures. They're talking about uh, Iran reporting 43 infections and eight deaths, which is an unusually high number of deaths if, 20%. if there's only 43 infections mm. there. But uh, a recent radio report I heard listened to this morning suggested that Iran may have been... Uh, Under-reporting. Re yeah, not revealing all of their cases. Mm. But Turkey, Pakistan and Armenia have closed their borders with Iran as a result of that report. Uh, and Afghanistan has introduced travel restrictions. And this uh, page I'm looking at at uh, aljazeera.com has a, a great global map and I'll post a link to this uh, site after the show. Mm just showing countries that have reported cases now and uh, as you say um, it is uh, mostly in China but uh, we've got uh, Japan, Thailand, Vietnam, India uh, and uh, Russia, Russia only two cases, uh, Iran as I mentioned, uh, one in Egypt, a few scattered through Europe 13 in the UK now, 16 in Germany, 12 in France, 2 in Spain, quite a lot in Italy unusually, 144, mm. uh, 9 in Canada, 35 in the US, uh, 22 here in Australia and a, few, a couple of other small countries uh, on the map as well that you can have a look at when I post a link later on. Mm. Pakistan has also closed its border with Iran um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty clear that uh, everybody's in lockdown and, and a lot of fear and we're going to be talking about fear today as part of this equation anyway. We are indeed. Uh, a senior hospital director from Wuhan who was one of the, the earliest mm. doctors to report the disease uh, has died uh, and uh, Chinese tech giants are deploying tracking maps. Yeah, that's fascinating. How are they actually doing that? That's a pretty interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, mm. so... Um, so they're available on Tencent Maps, WeChat, and several other online platforms such as Chihu360 and Sogu. And now people in more than 170 Chinese cities can check whether there are infected patients around them simply by scrolling on their phones. Mm. And rather than disclosing names and other personal details of the patients, the maps use data sourced from China's health authorities and feature the user's distance from other infected patients. And I guess this is just uh, a, a result of China's extensive surveillance program that yes. they have in place now. It's called the Close Contact Detector. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and clearly they're making the data uh, freely available for these other companies to, uh, to put onto their platforms. Very interesting indeed. I mean, very useful in many ways, but also uh, a little concerning in terms of... Uh, human rights. Human rights, mm. although they aren't revealing the identities of patients, they're just showing the mm. locations on maps, yeah. But there is some concern by human rights experts about the lack of transparency and the Chinese government having credibility issues when it came to handing such data, which is a fairly obvious thing to say for sure. It is, and that's been a long-going discussion about the, the rise of uh, surveillance within China. Uh, in, including you know, public face tracking cameras and all those sorts of things. Mm. And Wuhan has now been in lockdown uh, for uh, a month. About 60 million people are, are uh, under an unprecedented lockdown in Wuhan in China's Hubei province. And, uh, and 
reports are sort of leaking through about what people are doing, mostly confined to their homes. Uh, there's there's a report about uh, shopping plans where groups of 10 families are being permitted to pool their shopping needs mm-hmm. and, and go for supplies occasionally, but other people reporting that they're running low on, on supplies and uh, obviously either too afraid to go out or, or having trouble getting out to uh, buy food. Yeah, 60 million people altogether in China have been placed under some form of lockdown or other in uh, Hubei province since the coronavirus broke through in Wuhan. And that's only a month on, so that's, that's a lot of people who are locked down there and, of course, around the world, more and more in these countries, as, we, as we're saying. Uh, some 2,000 people, I believe, to have died as a result of the strain and about 70,000, as I said before, in China itself, according to the World Health Organization. Yeah, uh, also reports uh, in South Korea uh, where they have confirmed 73 new cases, 42 of which were connected to a Christian city in the country. That's interesting. uh, Yeah, and the the mayor of uh, the central Korean city of Daegu, uh, where that sect is based, has urged its 2.5 million people to refrain from going outside as new cases are spiking there. Uh, very interesting and of course the economic uh, impact is growing globally maybe we'll uh, come back and talk about that yes yeah well that's the big thing and uh, I think that's um, besides the obvious uh, issue of this is the biggest issue on the planet right now and uh, has implications we, we might suggest but certainly the biggest implication that's obvious right now is the effect on economies around the world and uh, the supply chains and uh, trading everywhere so we'll come back and talk about that Broadcasting from Byronshire to the Rainbow Region and beyond. Bay FM 99.9. You are tuned to Future Sense here on Bay FM 99.9 or via the web, bayfm.org, or in the podcasts which are edited in uh, within 24 hours, usually each week. And uh, we do take out the great music we play and also the various announcements so you get some tight little uh, couple of segments uh, of half an hour or more for your listening pleasure and thanks to all of you out there in the world who are listening to this podcast Uh, I was just in Melbourne just quickly uh, over the weekend and Friday waiting for a couple of our associates down there who've uh, who've been on the show before Ross uh, Ross Hill in particular and um, was sitting in a cafe in Collingwood and a woman walks in and said oh Nick Jeans and I was going yeah who are you and she said oh Aurora and suddenly she said I love your podcast future sense is the best thing on the radio and best thing i listen to it's fantastic and there i was in melbourne completely out of the blue so we're, we're sort of seeping into people's consciousness out there what lovely news what lovely Thanks news for all the support Indeed. out there uh so we're just talking about the coronavirus and uh, i can have a, a skip through a few stories about the economic impact uh, because it is it's it's going to be huge and uh, it's still early days because there's a, a lag time in terms of sh- the shipment of equipment from China, etc., and a lot of stuff's getting shut down there. The uh, earth-moving manufacturer in the UK called JCB is cutting production working hours as it faces a shortage of components from China due to the coronavirus outbreak. Mm. And it's thought to be the first time a major UK manufacturer has warned about the epidemic's impact on its output. Uh, they are reducing working hours for their 4,000 staff and uh, more than... 25% of their suppliers in China are closed at this stage. And uh, there's a story from India, which is one of the world's major steel producers, uh, not as large as China, though. And they're predicting that the coronavirus outbreak will impact the steel industry globally for the next two to three years, mm. uh, which is very interesting. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, at the, at the moment, uh, Australian... Uh 
uh, iron ore exports to China are still going ahead. They're not uh, they're not been so disrupted yet for two reasons. I think one because they're not uh, that sort of industry is not so engaged with the with the direct populace as much as many other industries. One, but particularly because the Australian dollar is quite low, so there's a bit of a buffer there, about a five percent buffer for those uh, exports and the money that's coming into Australia from those. So the, in terms of some of the mineral exports at the moment, they're sort of not so affected yet. But yeah, but uh, China is one of our largest trading partners here in Australia, mm. and uh, there's a, more reports now coming out about the economic impact here, mm. uh, which is expected to cost our economy billions of Australian dollars, according up to, 12 to uh, ABC. Billion, in fact, up to twelve billion uh, amid uh, with all the different uh, minerals exports alone could cost four billion once that sort of kicks in if it keeps going, and of course Australians, uh, Australia's top ten universities are especially vulnerable with an analysis by the Australian revealing they stand to lose 1.2 billion in fees from about 65,800 Chinese students who are at risk of cancelling their first semester courses. Yeah, the our ABC news here in Australia is reporting that uh, the first wave of economic disruption hit airports, airlines, mm. travel agencies, casinos, hotels and, as you say, Nick, educational institutions. And now, as further factories are remaining closed in China, uh, the virus is having a second wave of uh, impact here in Australia, uh, disrupting business supply chains. Uh, Australian listed companies and major global retailers that rely on stock from China or operate in China are uh, feeling the impact and warning that it could worsen in the coming months. And yeah. some of our major retailers, including Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, uh, are uh, saying that there are supply shortages and um, the, uh, the real impact will be seen within sort of four yeah. to six weeks from now they're saying yeah i mean the fascinating thing here is the disruption to supply chains and that's not a comfortable thing for the current uh, structure of uh, politics culture society and economics in particular in the world what do we think about that i mean it's fascinating how that's uh, that's shaping up to influence the direction of everything potentially on the planet uh, in terms of having to pull back locally to a more uh, resilient um, local economy perhaps it is very interesting, yeah, and uh, let's not forget that uh, the US and China are engaged in a trade war, which continues, and uh, I, I, things like this, there's a lot to learn from in terms of understanding how interconnected the world is and how we really rely on each other quite a lot, and, you know, ideas that we can have these trade wars and not get impacted by them ourselves uh, are simply false, and hopefully we'll learn a lot from this experience and, and uh, without getting hurt too much. Yeah, Apple Australia um, has uh, has talked about the extended uh, 42 retail closures of their stores in China until February the 15th. Well, that's already passed, uh, but nevertheless, I think that's it's a little bit older. This this thing, I wonder if that's still going on. But basically, it's, it's touching into every every industry really in one it way is. or the other. Yeah, and things that you wouldn't expect. Uh, for example, there's a there's a report here saying that uh, it's estimated to cost the tourism industry in Western Australia about $250 million and a story specifically about a, uh, a beekeeper uh, who relies a lot on the tourist trade to sell his honey and just hasn't got the, the uh, people coming through with the restrictions on travel from China at the moment. Uh, and also there's a small fishing village uh, that relies on uh, trade with China for its lobsters. Yes. Uh, Port McDonald, it's called, in South Australia. South Australia. Yeah, yeah and, and they are 
stockpiling their lobsters, live lobsters at the moment. They've got a, in this story, it says they've got about half a million dollars worth of lobsters uh, in swimming in, in uh, tanks there at the moment uh, with nowhere to send them. So um, one would expect that the lobster <laughs> price might be coming down in Australia yeah. at the moment. Good time to get your lobster folks, if you're not a vegan, of course. Yeah. Um, and of course, Chinese economy accounts for 16% of the global economy. And uh, in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak so far, oil prices have tumbled. International travel to and from China, obviously, as we know, has drastically fallen, and multinational companies have scaled back operations there. And this report from the ABC also talks about China, of course, already drowning in debt, with the Institute of International Finance saying the rising superpower's debt topped 300% of its GDP in 2019. As you said before, the uh, the trade war between uh, China and the US, all this factors into uh, a very shaky time for the Chinese economy through this. And, um, you know, many people could say many things about that. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, China's in a very, very uh, difficult position where it's got to decide whether to continue the, the lockdown that it's mm. created, which is having a massive impact on its economy uh, and, uh, and I guess tossing up the, the financial cost versus the potential health cost once they yeah. uh, loosen the lockdown. Here in Australia, the federal government has extended its coronavirus travel ban for another week uh, through to February the 29th. And uh, at the moment, any foreign nationals who are coming in who've been to mainland China are uh, not being allowed into Australia for 14 days from the time they left China. Any Australian citizens and permanent residents are able to enter Australia, but they need to isolate themselves for a fortnight once they get here. It's actually good that there is a February the 29th this year. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Got <laughs> that right. Olympia. Yeah, um, maybe let's we'll take a break and we'll come yeah. back and uh, there's still a bit of sketchy information going on in the background about mm. potential espionage and those sorts of things that we'll, we'll uh, cover. Yeah, we'll yeah cover. some interesting threads that don't quite tie up together and yet seem to point to something there. We'll yeah. come back after this track here. On BFM, you're tuned to Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till 11 o'clock this morning. It's 9.34 here on BFM. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. You're tuned to Future Sense here on BFM and uh, on the net via podcast or wherever you're listening. Hello to you out there. You can tune in and you can also text in if you're listening live on 0437341119. And a quick hello to Texas, to our good friends in Austin there, the Texan elf Mitch Schultz, and uh, to Whitney, the, the wise, who's also listening in from over there. G'day to you. Yeah, and just hope you're coming back soon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we just finished on our uh, coronavirus update this week, and uh, as well as the the well-known health and economic impact, there's some strange reports that have been going on, mm. and seem to be buried or being buried by the uh, mainstream media. Mm. Uh, one that we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago was about a Chinese scientist who had been working at the Canadian National Microbiology Lab laboratory in Winnipeg and allegedly involved in helping the Wuhan uh, Chinese virus uh, lab upgrade their security there to a P4 standard and their, their security uh, had been criticised in the past with concerns that viruses could escape from the lab in Wuhan but we don't have any confirmed information to suggest that the coronavirus did escape from there. Uh, however, it's uh, it's interesting to note these stories and wonder whether at some time in the future these different threads might be woven together mm. with further information. So I, I came across a uh, an article written in August last year yeah. called Weaponizing Medicine, China's Latest Theft, a Potential Biological Weapon. And this is reported on a website called uh, news.clearancejobs.com 
www.jobsearch.com and it's a website about job search and jobs for people who work uh, in the US it, it appears uh, and are seeking jobs requiring security clearances such as intelligence or military jobs the article is actually written by a former CIA agent who uh, according to his bio spent 30 plus years with the CIA uh, and now is a freelancer and an author and uh, in this article which was written on August the 15th yeah. so it's it's interesting because it was written before this outbreak uh, happened and before this, the uh, other stories hit the media and it's talking about the Chinese scientist from the NML laboratory in Winnipeg uh, being dismissed we reported previously that uh, we saw a, a mainstream media article saying that a scientist was under investigation but we didn't have any detail around that mm. and this is saying that uh, she was dismissed uh, from her uh, and her ties cut from the University of Manitoba uh, and uh, the uh, the person is recognised globally as one of the leading researchers on infectious diseases yeah. and credited with being instrumental in creating a new drug for treating the Ebola virus yeah. uh, and despite her accomplishments the uh, CBC reports that her and her husband and her students were forcibly dispatched from the facility on July 5th last year I believe she went straight to Wuhan too I think yeah, well, she, she, had, she had allegedly been travelling backwards and forwards to Wuhan yes. and involved yeah. with helping them upgrade the security at the mm. lab there. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, according to this story I'm reading here, uh, are investigating the sharing of the Ebola virus as well as a second pathogen mm. called a Hanapavirus, which in real life kills 100% of those infected. And while the lab in Canada claims it's normal to share these viruses between labs globally as part of their global research program, uh, the potential transfer of knowledge, obviously, uh, according to this author, may be advancing the, the Chinese biological weapons program. Yes. Well, you came up with another piece, which is uh, from a month ago, and uh, it's interesting because there's not a lot of other information out uh, here. This is from CNN, in fact, and uh, a Harvard professor uh, who is among three charged with lying about Chinese government ties. Uh, two other Chinese nationals with him were federally indicted in uh, three separate cases for allegedly lying to the US about that. Uh, and um, they're reporting uh, that uh, it uh, highlights the ongoing threat posed by China using non-traditional collectors like academics and researchers to steal American research and technology, in particular in these areas of, uh, of biology. Um, yeah. The complaint alleges that Lieber had lied about his affiliation with the Wuhan University of Technology, WUT, right there in Wuhan, in China, and a contract he had with a Chinese talent recruitment plan, as you're saying about uh, about uh, recruitment and job search there, uh, to attract high-level scientists to the country. And some of his associates, uh, uh, one chap called, uh, what's his name here, Yang King Ye, a 29-year-old Chinese national, was charged with visa fraud, making false statements, conspiracy and being an unregistered agent, but more than that also of taking some uh, some biological material out of out of China, out of uh, the US to China. So that's a very easy, you smuggled 21 vials of uh, biological material out of the US to China and lying about it to federal investigators. Uh, that's another one, Zhezong Zeng, a cancer researcher. So there's some strange threads here and uh, I was particularly interested in the fact that there's not a lot of reporting beyond this article from a month ago about this. Yeah, I, that's what makes it quite interesting is mm. that these things uh, seem to be being buried. I went back looking for the article that we quoted on the show a couple of weeks ago and couldn't find it. Uh, yeah. uh, and I, I also noted uh, another article which was published in our ABC News here in Australia which initially uh, quoted very specific figures about the SARS 
uh, virus casualties and, and since then those specific figures have been removed from the article for whatever reason. Oh, okay. but, um, just getting back to the, to the US, Canadian, uh, Chinese uh, related stories, I mean, it's perfectly understandable that given what has happened now that the US might go looking for other links with Wuhan and perhaps tighten up you know anything that needs to be tightening up, tightened yes. up. So, so you know, it doesn't surprise me that uh, mm-hmm. the story that you just quoted there. One thing that is quite unusual and interesting, though, is that a Canadian scientist um, has died. Oh, yes, in uh, Kenya, unclear circumstances yeah. in Kenya. Yes, this story yes. is uh, from February the sixth. Uh, his name was Frank Plummer, and uh, he was uh, formally the head of the uh, NML laboratory in Winnipeg. And uh, he was in Kenya. That's the P4, the one P4 laboratory in Canada, isn't it? That was related to the previous connection with Wuhan that we spoke about. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, this uh, Mr. Plummer, 67 years old, was in Kenya where he was a keynote speaker at an annual meeting of the University of Nairobi's Collaborative Centre for Research and Training in HIV, AIDS, STIs. Uh, he helped set up that uh, sorry, the uh, Dr Gelman who helped set up that meeting said Plummer collapsed and was taken to hospital in Nairobi where he was pronounced dead on arrival and no confirmed cause of death uh, has been released. He was born and raised in Winnipeg where he headed up Canada's National Microbiology Lab for several years and um, he, he had helped identify a lot of the key factors involved in HIV transmission in the early days um, and uh, he also uh, had, uh, sorry, I'll just uh, yeah. find my place in the article here. Um, there, there was a report by uh, CBC about uh, his uh, death in Kenya, and, uh, but no mention of the, um, the link to the lab in Winnipeg where the Chinese uh, person uh, was uh, Expelled, so um, very mysterious circumstances. And again, you know, there's no, there are no clear links here. There's no definitive uh, evidence pointing to any kind of connection with the release of the coronavirus. But just unusual that uh, these these links are showing up, and they're not showing up in the mainstream media mm. uh, mostly. And there are, you can go to, of course, fact check uh, websites, some of which are dubious anyway. So it's hard to know whether the fact check uh, websites are need to be fact-checked themselves yeah. um, but uh, factcheck.org which we're a bit suspicious of anyway has said with regard to Charles Lieber the guy from Harvard University the professor that no link between the Harvard scientist Charles Lieber and coronavirus can be found so that's, that's what they say uh, nevertheless it sounds somewhat a little, a little bit suspicious yeah it kind of points to the fact that there may be something going on in the background there yeah. I mean the the sharing of viruses between Canada and uh, the lab in Wuhan the involvement of uh, Chinese scientists who are now alleged to have stolen uh, viruses from Canada and taken them to Wuhan and then the unexplained death of uh, this uh, Canadian scientist who has connections to the Winnipeg lab uh, in uh, in Africa. In fact, the US government, a report from a couple of weeks ago, isn't prosecuting Charles Lieber because he's a world-renowned inorganic chemist at Harvard University, says the US attorney who last week drew headlines by charging Lieber with making false statements about his ties to Chinese research inst- uh, institutions, uh, nor does the Department of Justice think for one minute that Lieber is a spy. 
but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Glad they cleared that up then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Anyway, maybe we'll see in time. Maybe maybe more information will come out and explain whether these things are related or not. Indeed. That's our coronavirus wrap-up for this week. We're going to have a bit of a rant about moral outrage next. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's get angry. And you can, of course, join the conversation, as I said, on 043734 Do you have moral outrage? Do you what, do you... what do you consider about that? How do you define that? We'll be talking about a very interesting and some very interesting studies about the nature of moral outrage. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.